Take your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 18, and we're going to continue our uh, topic of prayer meeting dynamics. And a lot of these ideas I've borrowed from a, another preacher. His name is Rick Flanders. Uh, I've had an opportunity to hear him preach, not this message. This is something I read that he wrote, but just uh, was really encouraging to me to consider why we have a prayer meeting on Wednesday nights. What's the purpose? And I hope that as long as the Lord leaves us here, that Elmira Baptist Church will continue to meet once a week to pray. We can, we can do a lot of things with our Wednesday nights. Sometimes a Wednesday night is really just a repeat of Sunday night. Uh, guys, you know, there's some singing, preaching, and then we all go home, take an offering. And that's fine. Those churches that do it that way, I'm not saying they're doing anything wrong. But I want our focus to always be at least partly on prayer on Wednesday nights and taking time to pray. By the way, when we split up into our men's meeting and our ladies' meeting, we'll meet right at 7 o'clock, ladies in the ministry room, fellas here at 7 o'clock. We'll do our Bible study first, and then about 7.35 or 7.40, we'll share some requests, and the ladies will pray together in the ministry room. The men will pray together here. Now, I'm going to be checking in on you ladies, because I know that you like to go long on the Bible study, and I'll show up at 5 or 10 minutes after 8, and oh, we haven't prayed yet. Okay, oh, boy. We want to pray. It's important. The Bible study is important too, by the way. Don't, I don't want to dis diminish that. But the prayer time is equally important. And uh, So what is it that we're doing as we're praying? Well, I mentioned that part of what we're doing here, uh, part of the reason we pray and, and, and as we choose how to pray, as we think through carefully how to form the sentences that we're going to pray to the Lord, this is our offensive weapon. This is how we go on the offensive. Now, it may come someday that we have to take up arms against a foe. I, I don't know. I don't anticipate that in the next few years, but maybe. But until that time comes, this is our offensive strategy. We're not going to go burn places down. We're not going to, you know, throw rocks at the police or turn over police cars and set them on fire. That's, that's not the offensive strategy. The offensive strategy is prayer. And I can assure you that prayer as an offensive weapon is much more powerful than any rioting that we can do. So think of it that way. As you come on Wednesday nights and you come to pray, uh, this, is, this is our night where we get on our knees and we say, okay, we're going to march forward here. But we're going to do it spiritually speaking, not necessarily uh, with a literal offensive, uh, but praying for specific things to see God glorified and God at work in our lives. Now, last week, we started in uh, Matthew 18 here. Let's look at uh, verses 18, 19, and 20 again, and then I'm going to ask you the same question I asked you last week, partly as review, partly to see if you're paying attention, partly for, for if you missed last week. The two questions were, how, how do we see the idea of prayer in these verses, and how do we see the idea of meeting in these verses? How do we see the, the words prayer meeting don't come up, okay, you understand, but we see those topics in these verses. Matthew 18, 18 says... Verily I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. So where do we see in these verses the idea of prayer? Yes. Say that louder. Yeah. What do they say? Um, where two or more are gathered. 
Okay, that's gathered. That's the meeting part. Where do we see the prayer part? Yes. Yes, if you ask anything in my name. So there's the prayer part. Eva's got the meeting part. Let's put them together. He's talking here about a prayer meeting. Now, here's another application for you. And this is, we're not thinking about this application tonight. But when you gather with your family, if you have you and your spouse, that's two people meeting in the Lord's name, isn't it? If you have you and a child, that's two people meeting. You have you and a couple of children, that's three, four, five people meeting in the Lord's name. Your time of family devotions, your time of family altar with your, with your family, where you look at the scriptures, read something, pray together, that's, that's also a prayer meeting. But that's a different application. We'll, we'll look at that more in detail in another time. Tonight we're talking about a church. When we gather together to ask for things in the Lord's name, what are we doing? Well, Number one, this is what we focused on last week. We are using prayer as a means to accomplish God's will. We see what God's will is and we say, hey, we can agree with that. God, God's moving this way. We're going to get on board and we're going to pray for that. And we looked in the Old Testament how sometimes God waits until his people pray in order to accomplish his plan. Not because God is powerless without us. Not because we say, well, God, I'm just not going to pray and we'll see what you can do about it. God can do anything he wants. But because he does, want to, he does want us to work with him. He does want us to cooperate with what he's doing. So when we get together, we're asking the question, what does God want to accomplish at Elmira Baptist Church? Not necessarily within these four walls, because the church is us. So what does God want to accomplish at Elmira Baptist Church? What does God want to accomplish in our lives? What does God want to accomplish in the lives of the people around us? And we're going to give an example tonight, again, how something we prayed for last week got answered. It wasn't as if God was like, oh, yeah, I meant to do that. My wife's constantly saying to me, hey, honey, did you? Oh, yeah, I meant to do that. And I, frankly, I'd forgotten until my wife said something to me. But when I pray, God never says, oh, yeah, I meant, no, 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 no. God's already at work. He already has a plan. We're just getting on board with his plan. That's what prayer is. Prayer isn't me telling God, God, you know, let me tell you how to order the world. I think you're a little bit behind the times. That's not prayer. Prayer is me saying, what are you doing, Lord? Yep, I'm, I, I pray for that. When, uh, uh, so that's a prayer meeting. Now, second point here today um, notice that word agree. Verse 19, again, I say unto you that if two of you shall agree, agreement is pr in prayer. As we look at what the request is, we look at maybe the person or the event and we're praying about that and we agree in prayer on what the Lord is doing. That's an indication of the Holy Spirit leading us as we pray. Now, it doesn't always have to be. I'm not saying that you can just count on it 100% of the time because maybe we agree because we have some of the same thoughts. I, I don't know. But isn't it amazing how many times you're praying for something? Maybe somebody's name comes up. Maybe it's an illness. Maybe it's a financial need. Maybe it's personal need. And, and a name comes up and you begin to pray a certain way. And then you talk to your spouse or maybe you talk to another Christian brother, another Christian sister who's also praying for that person. And you find out you've been praying for the same thing without consulting ahead of time. Let's all pray for this. 
And why is that? Well, because we have the same Holy Spirit dwelling in each one of us. And sometimes he says, hey, I think you ought to pray this way about something. And if we're paying attention to that leading, we end up praying the same way because the Holy Spirit is leading us. We agree here on earth. We agree with what God has already determined to do in heaven. Already in heaven, determined to do on earth. But he's in heaven and he's determined to do it. Ephesians 6.18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. So when I'm praying in the Spirit, if I'm led by the Holy Spirit, and you're praying in the Spirit and you're led by the Holy Spirit, we're going to find that we often agree on how to pray for people. How to pray for a situation. When an event happens to the church, how we're going to pray as a church. And that's evidence of the Holy Spirit leading us. Now, this word agree in verse 19, the uh, Greek word is the same Greek word from which we get our word symphony. And in a symphony, you have different instruments, even playing different notes, but it all comes together to form one theme, one musical theme. And one of the ways that we agree is not necessarily praying for the exact same thing, but as we pray for for people, we bring our own experiences, our own background to our prayers. For example, when we were in uh, Mongolia, one of our, our Christian brothers there, his wife, who was not a Christian at the time this, this occurred, his wife was diagnosed with stomach cancer. Now, of course, all, everyone in the church started to pray for her, pray for her salvation, of course, pray for her healing. But my friend Bill Patterson uh, whom some of you have met, he prayed probably more fervently than the rest of us because at one point his wife had had cancer. She'd had renal cancer, cancer in her kidneys. And so he was much more attuned to what Dashka, that was the Mongolian man's name, to what Dashka was going through as he watched his wife go through cancer treatments than I was because my wife's never had cancer. Now, that doesn't mean I can't pray for Dashka. I can't pray for his wife. Of course I pray for Dashka. Of course I prayed for his wife. But Bill was able to pray with a little more fervency and a little more knowledge because he'd actually been through it. When a lady is struggling in her pregnancy, as we've been praying for um, Kayla Marfield, you know, I pray for her. I do. But I don't pray for her the same way my wife does, who's been through some pregnancies had some of her own issues that, that, you know, the Lord helps us with. But here's my point. When we pray as a group, we do agree, okay, this is how we ought to pray. But it's not necessarily we're going to pray all the same words as much as, as each one of us brings our own experiences, our own, to use the, the musical metaphor again, our own instrument to the prayers. We may be praying slightly differently for people. We may be focusing on different things, different emphases, but all of those prayers are working together to accomplish God's will. And that's why praying as a corporate group for people is often more powerful. Not that God somehow gets more power, but it has a greater effect on us when we pray as a corporate group than when I'm just praying by myself. And by the way, that's one of the reasons that we encourage you to share prayer requests. It's not that if Eva prays all by herself, God has 10% power, but if I pray, then it's 20%. And if we all pray, God gets 100 That's That's not how this works at all. But the truth is, if Eva's praying all by herself and then God answers her prayer, it's not nearly as powerful as if we're all praying for something in agreement that this is God's will for this person or God's will in this event. 
And then God answers and we say, yep, we, we prayed for that. Now, it's neat when you come to me and you say, how is praying for this? And God answered and I, I rejoice with you. It's a little bit different when we're all praying and God answers and we see it for ourselves. So when we, when we share our prayer requests, don't think that you're sharing the prayer request because it makes it more powerful or somehow, boy, if I can get pastor to pray, sometimes I feel like uh, people think I'm a high priest, right? And if I can get pastor to pray, then God has to answer. Now, God doesn't have to answer my prayers. But we do want to share requests because there's a powerful influence on us as we agree in prayer and we see that God answers. So the first point that we made last week was prayer is a means by which we accomplish God's will. Second, we see that when we agree in prayer, we can see that as an indication that the Holy Spirit is leading us. And even when we bring different experiences and we're praying slightly different things, the Holy Spirit can take all of those prayers and, and, and use that as powerfully to influence us that God is at work. But here's the third point I want to make. Often prayer meetings, when God's people say, hey, we've got to meet and we've got to pray, not just going through the motions, but we've got to meet, we've got to pray, it's an indication that God is about to work. To show you this, I'd like you to look in the book of Acts. Uh, let's start in Acts chapter 1. We're going to flip through a couple of chapters here. Acts chapter 1 and verse 14. Acts chapter 1 verse 14 says, These all continued. These would be the 11 disciples that were left. Judas, of course, had killed himself. 11 disciples that were left. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. Verse 15, And in those days Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said the number of names together were about 120. So there's about 120 people that are continuing in prayer. They are meeting, and I don't know exactly how Jewish life would have worked at this time, but my guess is they do have to go to work. There are ladies there that have to take care of their families and wash clothes and make meals, etc. But as they have opportunity, they're gathering in each other's homes, they're gathering in, in uh, some people thought, think that they were gathering there in the upper room where Jesus had that last meal with the disciples. They were gathering regularly to pray. They continued in prayer with one accord. They're all in agreement. They all agree what they're, as to what they're praying for. What do you think, based on your knowledge of Acts chapter 1, what do you think they were praying for? I, I think the Bible tells us what they're praying for, by the way. I, I don't think it's... Don't think, I don't say what do you think as, an if it's a, as if it is an opinion. What do you know about Acts chapter 1? What are they praying for? What, why are they continuing to go back to the Lord and pray? And then the next day come back to the Lord and pray. And then the next day come back to the Lord and pray. With one accord, they're, they're praying. What are they praying for? Yes. Okay, that's a good, that's a good guess. Yeah. Kara, uh, you said something. Yeah, specifically, what about the Holy Spirit? <laughs> Yeah. Remember Acts 1.8. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you and ye shall be witnesses. After that the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Now, again, this is a, a little bit of a mystery to me. I don't know exactly how this happened because I know that earlier Jesus had breathed on his disciples and said, 
receive ye the Holy Spirit. But they, they recognize there's something more to be done before they're going to be those powerful witnesses that God intends for them to be. You shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So they keep going back to the Lord and saying, hey, can we have the Holy Spirit now? Right? Can we have the Holy Spirit now? And within just less than two weeks of these prayer meetings beginning, what happens? Yeah, the day of Pentecost. And what happens on the day of Pentecost related to the Holy Spirit? Yeah, he's poured out in a unique and powerful way. So that illustrates my point that often God lays it on his people's hearts. Hey, we need to spend time together in prayer, not just individually. By the way, I hope you're praying individually. I hope you took seriously your homework from Sunday. What was Sunday morning's homework? Yeah, find someone 30 years older or 30 years younger than you and ask them for a prayer request. And if you're like me, you're sort of middle-aged, you can go down into the teens, you can go up into the, uh, the senior saints, you've got plenty of people to ask. Now, if you're a little bit older, you're probably going to have to go lower. And if you're a little bit younger, you're going to have to go up. You know, if you're less than 30, we, don't ask Ellie. You know, they can't really tell you. But seriously, I hope you're praying privately. You have a personal prayer closet. It doesn't have to be a room. You understand that I'm using that metaphorically where you are spending time with God each day. But I've had several of you come to me recently and say, Pastor, we need to be praying. Not as in, we don't pray enough. If we pray more, God has to answer. No, just that, that, that expectation that God wants us to pray. And often we see in history when God starts to stir his people up to pray as a group, what happens? God's about to work and he just wants to make sure that his people are a part of that. Let me show you that again in uh, the book of Acts. Acts chapter 4. We've looked at this um, We've looked at this example before also. Acts chapter 4, toward the end of the uh, chapter there. Um, well, let's, let's pick it up. Um, they, they say to them, verse 18, chapter 4, verse 18, And they, this would have been the Jewish council, called them and commanded them not to speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus. So that's, that's the... Uh, the, the command from the Jewish council. You got to quit talking about Jesus. You can meet, you can pray, whatever, but don't talk about Jesus. Quit, quit using the name of Jesus. Now I'll skip down to verse 30, uh, 30, uh, not 30, 23. Acts, we're going to get to verse 31. That's why I keep wanting to go there. But Acts 24, 23, being let go, they went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. And what did the chief priests and elders say, say to them? Quit talking about Jesus. Quit talking about Jesus. Verse 24, and when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord, and they began to pray. Verse 30 tells us they prayed for bold, uh, verse 29 tells us they prayed for boldness. And they prayed in verse 30 that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child, Jesus doesn't sound like they're going to cooperate, does it? Verse 31, what happens? And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. Now again, it isn't as if God was like, oh man, yeah, I forgot to give you the Holy Spirit today. Glad you prayed for it. Now I'll do this. No, God's stirring up his people to pray for boldness, 
to keep preaching in the name of Jesus when they'd just been told not to pray in the name of Jesus because God was getting ready to pour out his spirit again and to give them great boldness and to see more people saved. Another example from the book of Acts. This is one you know also, Acts chapter 12. In Acts chapter 12, Peter is in jail. James has already been ex executed. This would have been James, one of the 12 disciples. There's also a James who is the half-brother of Jesus. He's going to show up again in the book of Acts, so don't get confused. But James, the disciple, has already been executed by um, uh, Herod. And in fact, uh, earlier Stephen had been executed by the Jewish council. They had stoned him right there on the spot. But James had been executed, and the people seemed so pleased that Herod was killing these Christians that he decided he was going to take Peter and kill him also. So Peter's sitting in prison. And if I recall right, the next day, he's to be led away to execution. But what, are, what is the church doing? What are the people? Remember, it's not the building. Church is people. What are the people doing the very night? They're praying. Are they praying in faith? No. How do we know they're not praying in faith? Yeah, because when Peter's at the door, hey, let me in. And Rhoda runs up and says, hey, Peter's at the door. They say, you've you got to be crazy. You got to be crazy. It, it can't be Peter. Now, if you were praying in faith, you'd have said, "Yeah, go open the door, let him in." So, my, I don't, I don't mean to say your faith doesn't matter. God wants us to pray in faith. I just want to remind us. Sometimes I know I've been there. You're praying for something you don't really expect to happen. Let's not do that. But let's also remember the power of prayer is not my faith. The power of prayer is my God. Okay. So anyway, they finally let Peter in and. There he is. He's escaped from prison. Now, not only is he escaped from prison, but Herod doesn't make another effort to, to imprison and kill him again. Now, that doesn't make sense to me because I don't think it would have been hard to find Peter those first couple of days. I mean, Peter knew where to go. But setting all that aside, we see, again, that God stirs up his people to pray just before he's about to act. Let me show you one more. Uh, Acts chapter 13. The scene has shifted away from Jerusalem now. Now they're in Antioch, verse 1 tells us. Verse 2 says, As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed. It seems like the Holy Spirit, again, he stirred his people up to fast. And it says that they were ministering to the Lord. I think part of that was they were praying. They were, they were praying. They were burdened. What can we do? What does God want us to do? And the Holy Spirit says, okay, I want you to take Barnabas and Saul, who are really key members there of the church in Antioch at the time, and I want you to send them on a missionary journey. Now, again, it wasn't that somehow they prayed God into doing what the church at Antioch wanted God to do. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying the Holy Spirit is stirring up the church at Antioch to pray because he wants to send out Barnabas and Saul and he wants them to be a part of it. I want to use this series of, of um, Bible studies to stir us up to pray because I'm convinced that God is still at work in this little community of Elmira and still at work in Vacaville and still at work in Fairfield. And what God wants us to do is he wants us to pray. Not in a, you know, we've got to get God on board type of prayer. No, in a God's at work. What is he going to do? What is he doing? Let's see it type of way. 
So first of all, we saw that prayer is the church's means for accomplishing God's will. Number two, we saw that agreement in prayer is an indication that the Holy Spirit is leading us as we pray. Now here in number three, we see that sometimes God stirs up his people to pray, both privately and corporately, because he's getting ready to do something. I'm going to tell you a little secret. Uh, Well, it's not a secret, but I'm going to step down here so maybe people at home can't hear me so clearly. When I was a little boy, I went to a lot of prayer meetings where I felt that people were just going through the motions. We, we met to pray. Every, the churches I was in, every Wednesday night, we met to pray. But I don't know that we really prayed as much as we just, I mean, that's what we did. This is the 80s, right? And in many cases, not every case, but at least three cases I can think of right off the top of my head, those churches aren't there anymore. Why? Because I think we get in a habit of just going through the motions. We never want to get in the habit of going through the motions when it comes to prayer. We want to meet to pray. And uh, I know you're taking prayer seriously. I'm not berating you. I'm just encouraging you. It matters whether we pray. Okay. Um, We're not going to complete this fourth point here, but prayer, united prayer, promotes unity in a church. When we meet together corporately and we share prayer requests, we agree, yep, we need to pray for these things, that promotes unity. What word, in our King James Bible here, what word did you notice several times in Acts as we read through about their prayers? What word kept coming up that shows unity? It is one accord. That's right. You caught that. They were praying in one accord. There's unity there. I think sometimes building programs can either... Divide churches or they can unify churches. And I'll tell you what I think the difference is. Churches get unified around a building program when they're all praying and they believe that God is at work. When we're thinking we have to do it and we've got to finish this building, and boy, Jesse, you're not working hard enough, or Pastor, you're not working hard enough, or Evo, you need to give more money, then of course it brings division. But when we recognize, yeah, we each have our part to play, But God's at work in this building program. We're going to keep petitioning Him. We're going to keep asking Him. And we see Him answering prayer. Guess what? We're unified. That brings unity. When we're praying for people's salvation, we're pouring out our heart to the Lord because these people need to be convicted. They need their lives turned around. And it's not going to happen without the Lord's intervention. I was communicating with a young man today. He doesn't live in our state, but had some communication. I'm praying for him. He got a job at a McDonald's trying to pay for college. He got a job at a McDonald's. He said his boss is a Wiccan lesbian. Not a Wiccan, a Wiccan, W-I-C-C-A-N. If you don't know what Wiccan is, don't worry, but she's a Wiccan lesbian. I said, listen, (laughs) we need to pray for you. (laughs) If you're going to be a witness to a Wiccan lesbian, you're going to need a lot of prayer. But I tell you what, and I don't know all that God's doing in this young man's life, but let's imagine as we pray together, united prayer for this lady, let's imagine she becomes a Christian. Can you imagine how our hearts are going to be united? That God is, I mean, God is at work because that wasn't me. <laughs> That's what we need to do as a, prayer, as, as a church, is agreeing in prayer as the Holy Spirit leads us. Let that unify us. Satan is constantly trying to drive wedges between us. We don't even notice it half the time because by God's grace, he just gives us the uh, protection we need to keep moving on. 
But Satan is always constantly busy trying to drive wedges between you and me, between you and your Christian brother, between you and your Christian sister. And we need to stay, part of the way, part of the way we will stay unified is by agreement and prayer, meeting together for corporate prayer. Um, yeah, we can finish this tonight. Go back to Matthew chapter 18. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. We do. Yep. Yep. Right. Right, right. Right. Yes. Amen. Well, because I use the building as an illustration, I know, and I'm sure Jesse has talked to people, uh, in, my, in the course of working through this building project, we've reached out to a lot of different people for a lot of different reasons. And some people have just said, you're not going to build that building unless you borrow money. You, 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 at some point, you're going to have to borrow money, Pastor. So just go ahead and borrow the money and get it over with. Now, again, I know churches that have borrowed money to do buildings, and I, I'm not speaking about what God led them to do. I know how God led this church even before I arrived. And I came in perfectly comfortable that if God was, that God was going to provide in his time. We didn't know what his time was, but God was going to provide in his time. So yeah, we need to pray with boldness. We need to pray for the impossible. Sometimes I know myself, I do, I pray for the possible because that seems like it could happen, right? You pray for the sort of moral person that's been coming to church for a couple weeks and they seem interested. We're going to pray for his salvation, but the wicked person out there, I, we just forget that person. Thank you, Jesse, for pointing that out. We need boldness as we pray. Let's go ahead and end uh, there tonight. We'll pick it up next week. We'll finish up.